0: Morning. Good morning. My name is James Jones. I uh, moved here about two months ago from uh, Boston, Massachusetts, where I lived for about eight years. Uh, I moved shortly. I moved there shortly after graduating from uh, BYU to perform with an acapella group, which I did for about five or six years. After uh, hitting what I felt was a professional ceiling, I began transitioning from. Uh, singing to voiceover work and uh, other jobs in the entertainment industry, uh, mostly settling on narrating things like audiobooks, corporate trainings, and uh, also being the voice of uh, Boston's classical radio station. So that was that was fun for me. Um, during that time, I also started a uh, "Come Follow Me" podcast, which gave me uh, several opportunities to talk about the restored gospel uh, through the lens of marginalized folks. I quickly learned that I didn't know nearly enough uh, to talk about that stuff the way I felt I needed to, and I started entertaining the idea of seminary or divinity school about a year into that journey. I really didn't want to go back to school. Um, I, uh, I can't stand academia, it's it's not something that I feel like I thrive in, but after some discernment. I came to realize that becoming a better theologian would make me a sharper instrument of the Lord's peace, and if uh, if a school was willing to pay for my education, then I have far more to gain than lose. So here I am. I was asked uh, I was asked to talk about priesthood keys, a phrase that I feel like we hear a lot but don't always know how to define. Uh, we know that priesthood is the power and authority to act in God's name. That authority was restored through Joseph Smith as a part of the still ongoing restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the authority our deacons use when they pass the sacrament. However, if someone couldn't make it to church today and wants to partake of the sacrament, the deacons can't simply show up to that person's house and then pass the sacrament. They can't perform the ordinance without authorization from the person that holds the keys of the Aaronic Priesthood. In our ward, that's Bishop Reese. Generally speaking, through the keys of the priesthood, the church administers these kinds of ordinances and uh, provides an organization to carry on the work of the Lord in an orderly manner. As is written in Doctrine and Covenants section 132, verse 8, My house is a house of order, saith the Lord God, and not a house of confusion. This is a big reason why these keys are important, to preserve order. In short, those with priesthood keys direct the work of the priesthood within their respective stewardships. President Nelson and the rest of the brethren in the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve, they hold all the keys. Priesthood keys are delegated then to presidents of temples, missions, stakes, districts, as well as bishops, branch presidents, and quorum presidents. When we talk about those with priesthood keys, we are almost always talking about those leaders. I was given two questions to uh, answer with regard to those holding priesthood keys. This unique responsibility to direct the work of the church within a particular jurisdiction. Why do we support and sustain those with priesthood keys and how would those who hold and or exercise delegated keys bless our lives? To answer the first question, if the responsibility of those with keys is to preside over and direct the work of the church, And uh, if the work of the church is to bring people to Christ, then it logically follows that we sustain and support those with keys because that helps bring people to Christ. While I am satisfied with that answer, others might not be, or at the very least, they require further clarity. Sustain and support admittedly means different things to different people. I can testify to this as somebody who's had more than a few Temple Recommend interview question, interviews over the course of my adulthood. Two years ago, in fact, while I was uh, renewing my Temple Recommend, my interview with my bishop was uh, less, than, less than 10 minutes, whereas my bishop, my interview with uh, a member of the state presidency, that lasted a little over an hour. I, I answered the same questions in the same ways to both of them to the best of my recollection, and uh, both of them, um, were very were very pleasant to talk to, but they both had very different definitions of the word sustain and support. Both of them believed that I didn't necessarily need to agree with the brethren in order to sustain them. However, my disagreement was to my bishop, not a big deal, and to a member of my stake presidency, a failure to sustain those with priesthood keys. I did end up getting my temple recommended, by the way, for those who were curious. <laughs> So what does it mean to sustain and support? It would be easy to simply quote the dictionary definitions of these terms. There are several simple yet concise definitions of these terms that, in my opinion, adequately address the definition of sustain and support. However, I could talk about how all of them apply and how we should lend support and sustenance to those with priesthood keys But I think to address the concerns of those who are dissatisfied with my answer to the question why we support and sustain those with priesthood keys, I'll defer to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It features two of my favorite apostles in the Bible, Peter and Paul. Peter is a bit of an impetuous knucklehead like myself, and Paul stays upsetting people with the truth even if they have the power to kill them, which is a level of unbothered I can only aspire to. This story is found in Galatians chapter two and is commonly referred to as the incident or the uh, confrontation in Antioch. Antioch was the capital of the Christian world at this point and home to the integrated church that Paul and Barnabas helped build and oversee. Jews and Gentiles worshiped together and ate together at a time where there was still some pretty heavy tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. What the church was doing in Antioch was peculiar, it was revolutionary, and it was countercultural. Peter, the leader of the church, he came to visit this integrated church, and he dined with them. However, some Jewish folks came into Antioch looking for Peter. And Peter, not wanting to be seen eating with the Gentiles, excuses himself. And what makes this even worse is that when Peter excuses himself, this is verse 13, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Close quote. Paul is in a very uncomfortable position at this point, and he has a choice to make. Does he follow the leader of the church into this path of hypocrisy and bigotry, or does he stand up to him? Let's read on. This is verse 14, Galatians chapter 2, and I'm reading from the uh, New, Stan- New Revised Standard Version. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews, close quote. Paul then goes on to explain for the rest of the chapter how both Jews and Gentiles are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So to recap, Peter, for all intents and purposes, the leader of the church, engages in an act of hypocrisy and bigotry against the Gentiles for at least the second time in recorded scripture. And Paul, a junior, a junior apostle, calls him out in front of everybody. So I ask the question, was Paul sustaining Peter? I would argue that he was, because if the responsibility of those with priesthood keys is to preside over and direct the work of the church, and the work of the church is to bring people to Christ, then Paul just nudged Peter back on the path to doing that. Had Peter gone through with his hypocrisy, he would have created a Jew-Gentile schism in the church that would have been very difficult to repair, which would have been, to say the least, a problem. It would have alienated Gentiles from fully participating in the church, crippled the ministry of the Jews, and go against the vision that Peter himself received back in Acts chapter 10. Peter testified after that experience that God is no respecter of persons, and suddenly he's acting like he never said that or that the Lord himself didn't actually teach him that? Paul did Peter a favor that day. Paul sustained Peter that day. Listen to this first definition of sustain on Merriam-Webster. To provide what is needed for something or someone to exist, continue, etc. Paul gave Peter what he needed that day to continue operating appropriately in that capacity as the senior apostle of the church. And it is possible that the church, as these early Christians knew it, would have ceased to exist had Paul not spoken up. Two of these things about this story need to be said more explicitly. Peter was acting contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Paul's only cited source of authority when he stood up to Peter was, quote, the truth of the gospel. I believe this tells us what we need to know when it comes to sustaining those with priesthood keys. Anytime we live into the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and help others do the same, we sustain those with keys. Anytime we follow their direction to that end, we sustain those with priesthood keys. When we magnify our callings, do our ministering, attend church, and otherwise participate in the building up of Zion, we are sustaining those with keys. I'll repeat again, we sustain those with priesthood keys because they preside over and direct the work of the church, and the work of the church is to bring people to Christ. Our participation in that work is not optional, not if we want to be more like Christ. The other thing I'm supposed to talk about today is about how those with keys bless our lives. And this is kind of difficult for me to do. Not because I don't know the answer, but because sometimes those blessings are hard for certain populations to see, fully appreciate, or talk about at this point in the church's history. Those with keys ultimately determine who comes into full fellowship in the church And right now, people with identities as immutable as the color of my skin are not able to experience what I am able to by virtue of authentic expression of orientation alone. That to me is not a blessing, but a theological and an institutional crisis. We do ourselves a great disservice by speaking on how those with priesthood keys bless our lives without naming the lives that they choose not to bless. That said, we do reap many blessings because of those who hold and have held keys. Getting to read the Doctrine and Covenants this year, we've seen the restoration of various priesthood keys and how they have allowed the church to continue to grow and flourish. Keys that allow baptism by proper authority, keys that allow families to be sealed for time and all eternity, keys that allow, keys that allow the fullness of the gospel to come to those, whether they be on this side of the veil or not, to create, as we learned in in this week's Doctrine and Covenants lesson, That the blessings of salvation are available to all, and death is not a deadline on those things. We have those blessings and we have that knowledge because of the restoration of the priesthood keys. Those with keys govern the administration of sacred and saving ordinances that bless our lives. They direct the proclamation of the gospel to the world. They're in the temples making sure that our ordinances get done and recorded, making sure the experience is a sacred and meaningful one for those who come in. And finally, The keys entitle those who hold them to receive revelation for their respective stewardships, and the Lord has a lot more in store for us as his church. Those with keys, as in days of old, will be the vessels through which hopefully more groundbreaking revelations that advance the church closer to what it's supposed to be will come. No doubt we'd be existing in a more confusing, a more ordinary, a more aimless, and a less living church without those who hold the priesthood keys. That has to be acknowledged. My testimony is that as we sustain those with these priesthood keys by living into the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as Paul did, we do the Lord's work. We help the church become what it's supposed to be, and we help ourselves become what we are supposed to be. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.